I want to start off here by asking a question. And I want you to just go ahead and yell out the answer uh, to do this quickly. And, uh, but, but yell it out loud enough so I can hear it. And I'll repeat it so they can hear it online. In one or two words. Okay, how many knows that's not a sentence? Okay, in one or two words. Define or give a word of what Jesus is or means to you. Is that clear? Like, like one or two words, uh, what, who Jesus is, what he is to you. So just yell it out. Life. Okay, okay. One thing that that didn't work on, yell it out one at a time. I heard life, Savior, salvation, healing, everything, everything. Uh, peace, comforter, forgiveness, protector, helper, miracle worker, counselor. What'd you say? Everything. Waymaker. Friend, promise, promise keeper, keeper. love, what was that, love what? <laughs> Loving. I knew I heard it, I couldn't tell where it was coming from. Uh, provider, creator, okay. Did you notice, I mean, all these things are true, uh, obviously. There's like no real right or uh, wrong answer. But there's one thing that, uh, I actually wrote down two things that nobody said, which actually has to do with my Bible study tonight. One is example. Do you know the Bible says that? And the other is teacher. Now, if you look at Jesus on earth walking in the flesh, he was a teacher. What was he teaching? You know, typically, when somebody's teaching something, it is a subject matter that the hearers are supposed to learn. He's uh, our example that the way he lived, we are to follow his example. But now here's the dynamic that I'm trying to get because I knew everybody would go along that because if somebody asked me the same question in the same man manner, I probably would have said th the same thing. If our focal point is on his lordship only, we're missing out the dynamic of understanding how to operate in this earth. Because he came to earth and he did some things which taught, and he taught a lot of things so that we would understand how to operate in this natural system. But if he's not our teacher, if he's not our example, we could be living our life just looking at him for his lordship. One day I'll see God. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start off here in 8 and verse 29. And it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now, a lot of people get into a teaching on predestination that, that it was determined for you to go to hell or it was determined for you to live a horrible life or something like that. That's not what that predestination means if you study it out in the Bible where in Jeremiah he says, I, I, I knew you in your mother's womb. And Ephesians chapter 1, where he talks about uh, knowing us before the foundation of the earth. The pre means before. So really, we could take it to Ephesians. Before the foundation of the earth, he created a destination for us. 
Now, probably very few people are on track for that destination because as Andrew pointed out, that it, uh, it requires a lot of getting out of your, uncomfort, your comfort zone and stepping into places of doing things where, that we don't want to do. It was Peter's testimony about going to um, uh, perspectives and then now he's in and doing what he wanted. His heart really is in is ministering to people that are incarcerated. And then there was a um, uh, no story I just told you recently about the same thing. Oh, uh, Muriel being that going down to Delano with us and getting that word on Alex. Uh, not that she didn't want to do that. I mean, she was ha happy to go down there. But still, it w that moving out of comfort zone uh, is, is applicable in these things. So for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, watch this, to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, I, I dealt with this in my, uh, uh, the Tuesday morning Bible study when we were in Romans chapter 12, that it says, verse 1, be not conformed to this world. Every single one of us is conforming to something. You cannot conform to something. What are we conforming to? I made the statement out of Romans chapter uh, uh, 12, 1, that if we're, if we're conforming, we're not transforming. Be tr be, do not conform to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. So if we're not transforming, the reason we're not transforming is because we're conforming. If we're conforming to the, the world, uh, then we're not transforming. But, according to this verse, to be conformed to the image of His Son, if we're conforming to the image of His Son, you can only do that by transforming. You're becoming something different. Uh, transformed from the, uh, Romans 12, 2 is the word metamorphosis in the original Greek, uh, which we understand a caterpillar going to a butterfly. That's a transformation. You don't look anything what you look like before. So he says here, uh, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be, that Jesus might be the firstborn of many brethren. So, so Jesus, in his life on earth, in his teaching, was teaching people how to function in this earth based on a heavenly anointing. He, he, he changed. When he was on earth, he did not conform to how you do things. Because remember when... When he was with the uh, disciples and they had all the people there, and he says, feed them. And he asked them this because he knew what they would do. He wanted to see what they would do. And uh, they said, man, it's late. What are we going to feed them with? If we had this much money, we couldn't even go buy enough of this to go do that and everything like that. And he says, what do we have? A couple of fish, a few pieces of bread. Bring it in. And remember, this is not just a story. This is an example of how to live. He multiplied because he knew the need would be met, because on the realm of the Spirit, all needs are met. So we, we, we've got to, this is something that's really hard to wrap your mind around, because we've all been taught this natural system. And so we, we, we find ourselves in the battle between spirit and natural. But if we conform to his image, when they tried to push him off a cliff, 
he hid himself and passed through them. Okay, let's get real. How does that work? Like, he took some branches and went. That's what the Bible said. He hid himself and passed through them. So, so he stepped over into a realm to where they couldn't see him, and he passed through them. Now, he was to be, he wanted to be the firstborn of many. Okay, now, I, I don't know about you, but that one just really messes with my mind. But he did it. It wasn't even like it was hard. He didn't have to go to a three, five-day seminar to figure out how to do it. Who he was and his understanding caused this to work. Now, he taught. In fact, uh, was it John that said, even if every single thing he taught was written in, the, in a book, the world would not be able to contain all the books that, he, that, it, that they wrote of what he said. I mean, he had some heavy-duty teaching going on that, that didn't make it in this that you and I are not privy to. But in understanding and believing that God put his word into effect for you and I, we should, we should listen to what he taught. So go to Matthew chapter 10. No, when you get to Matthew chapter 10, go to Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to go to verse 10. Now, I talked about this last week in a sense in that this, this, this chasm between putting on the new man and, and God and that his ways and thoughts are so much higher than our ways and thoughts, it just becomes mind-boggling to even comprehend functioning at a level that he wants us, you and me, to make him the firstborn of many brethren. We're the many. He's the one. He's the firstborn. Okay, because we get Bible ideas, doctrine ideas. Uh, we come up with things and we can't support them biblically, but we believe them. And, uh, and then we live by them. They don't work, but we still do it. Uh, I just told the testimony of a lot of Christians. Jesus, let's go to 13.10. And the disciples came to Jesus and said unto him, Why do you speak unto them in parables? Why, why do you constantly teach in parables? And what's a parable? A story. He, he gets up and he starts talking about corn stalks or, you know, agriculture or something like this. He tells a story, and he's illustrating something. He's like, why, why are you always teaching in parables? And he answered them and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. So understand this, this answer of why do you teach in parables. I have a mixed crowd here. And in this mixed crowd that I have here, some people are just here to spy on me. Go report it to the Pharisees or whatever. Some people are here just to see what I'm doing and everything like that. They, they just got an interest, but they, they got no interest in what I'm teaching. They're just kind of interested because they get to see a dead raised, a deaf ear opened, a blind eye seen. But there's some people here that are actually hungry for, for what I've got. So the reason I, I speak in parables is so I can speak to everybody and the people that are not really interested, they're not going to get it. 
Now, now this tells us something. Not only the answer of why he speaks in parables is that his word will only profit us if we can hear the spiritual level of the word. Paul comes back and teaches a lot on this, on the carnal mind. You cannot, there's nobody smart enough on the, that's ever walked the planet who is smart enough to understand the things of God through his brain. Yet we have been taught, in fact, all of academia from kindergarten on up is to teach people how to use their brains. We've been trained in it. Come on, son, think. Why'd you do that? Think. Did you really think it wasn't going to spill? Come on, you know that's true. (laughs) See, and we we try to get people to think. You're going to function out of your brain. But your brain will never get you into the things of God. It's too deep. And he's actually formulated this in these little simple stories. Heavenly principles are declared, but only those that are seeking to understand can capture it. It's just foolishness to everybody else. So he comes back and he says, For whoever has, to him shall be given. Now he's talking about spiritual things. And remember, this is the answer to parables. So whoever has spiritual understanding, whoever has a spiritual hunger, that which he has, more will be given to them. Okay? Whosoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whoever has not, from him shall be taken away even that which he has. So now here's a spiritual truth of how things are going to operate and how the flow of things are going to manifest. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. So anytime you see what the, the word therefore, you do what? Stop and see what it's there for. He's referring back to verse 12 about having and getting more and having and what you have is taken. And it all comes back to parables. Therefore, speak I to them in parables because they, they seeing see not and hearing they hear not. Neither do they understand. So, so they're seeing things happening, but they don't get it. They're hearing things I'm teaching, but they don't get it. So, so this, if we follow this on a simplistic level, we can see there, there's two flows of everything that he was teaching. There was a natural flow. I'm just talking about uh, uh, fig trees or grapevines or corn stalks or whatever. But then there was, what did he call it in verse, um, uh, verse 11? Mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So you and I have the ability to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But the biggest thing that's going to fight us is this mass inside the skull. Because it's been, it's been learned how to, taught how to, function naturally. So even while people come in church, oh yeah, I listen to them and they don't know what they're talking about. Do they not know what they're talking about? Or do you just not understand what they're talking about? There's always that dynamic. And we rely upon heavily on our natural knowledge and not the mind of Christ that has been given to all of us. So look at the next verse. Uh, Where am I at? 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing 
you shall hear and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart, now, now this is interesting, because he was talking about seeing and hearing, which is a function of the soul, the, the mind, the will, and the emotions. But he says, then he comes back, for this people's heart, was a, which is a function of your spirit, is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their hearts and should be converted and I should heal them. You know, this conversion, we use the word conversion that when somebody gets born again, they were converted. But actually, that's not necessarily true because when you're converted, you're changed. So have we gotten converted? Okay. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Now, we have to we have to deal with ourselves on this. I'm going to go a different direction here in just a minute because what I'm going to be talking about is parables. Uh, but we we need to look at ourselves and, and, and ask ourselves, am I trying to approach this thing with Christ through my head or through my spirit? Because your your head will never figure out how he hid himself and passed through them. We'll, we'll define it. Well, he's God. He can do anything. And, and that becomes our, our cop out. Well, he's God manifest in the flesh. Of course, he could do something like that. No, 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 no. You, you missed Romans 8. He wants to be the firstborn of many. He wants us to live at his level. This goes back to all the things I've read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, that the excellency of the uh, power of God, that's, we have a treasure in this earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be a God and not of us. He wants us to live at this level. He, he wants people to see God in us, an overcoming God uh, power within us. And most Christians are just struggling to get by. That's not where he wants us to live. Now, the dynamic of getting there, like I talked about last week, of getting in this place um, called in the spirit that I'm talking about on Sundays. And the, the, what I talked about last week about wrapping our mind around to put the new man on and to be changed. This is a hard process. Uh, because it fights our want. The biggest battle is our want to, which, which functions out of our brain. All right. So what I want to talk about is, and we're going to go to Mark chapter 4. Uh, what I want to talk about, and I'm going to do this over uh, the next few weeks, is the parables of Jesus. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to take, some parables are really short. I might take two in, on those. This one's longer. I'm just going to deal with it tonight. And, uh, but I, I want to start looking at the parables because he spoke in parables and within the parables, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven is found. So we, we've got to understand how these things work. So we're going to start at verse 1 to Mark chapter 4. And Jesus began to teach by the seaside, and there gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship, sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was, was by the sea on the sideline. Watch this, verse 2. He taught them many things by parables. So he's teaching them parables on this particular day. And said unto them his doctrine, his belief system. Now he's, he said he hid... He spoke in parables to hide the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He, he understood the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So when he taught them his doctrine, he was teaching them his belief system or his understanding how 
what he called a mystery, how the operation of the Spirit that operates within the kingdom of heaven, how it all functions. So if I can understand the, the parable, I can understand how heaven works. And not just here. And so he says, verse 3 says, Hearken, which is a strong word to pay attention to what I'm saying. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. Now, I just lost half of you. Oh, you're going to talk about seed time and harvest. No, Jesus is going to talk about seed time and harvest. Now, now skip ahead. Look at verse 13. He said unto them, Know you not this parable, the one that we're getting ready to read, how then will you know any of the parables? This is why I started with this one. If you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of the parables that we talk about because everything in the mystery of the kingdom of God operates on this basis. And he says, a sower went out to sow. Now I'm going to read the, uh, go through this kind of quick and not really comment. Um, so he went out, sower went out to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside. Fowls of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and did yield fruit and sprang up and increased and brought forth some 60, 30, or some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. And he said unto them, He that has ears to hear, let me hear. He just explained the whole uh, system of mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Now, we're all, we're all just spiritual people now. We understand how heaven operates, right? Huh? And the disciples did the exact same thing. But he said, he spoke in parables so that those who, who understood could understand and those who couldn't understand wouldn't understand. And he says, I speak in parables so that I can speak about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So what we just read about planting seed and birds and stones and hard ground, he just explained the whole system of the kingdom, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Now, look at verse 10. And when he was alone, so he was preaching this to the multitudes. Remember there in verse 1 or 2, a great multitude came in verse 1. When he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve, so the twelve disciples were there and probably the seventy or, or a few other people, asked of him the parable. So, so what it means when they said, asked of him the parable, to uh, uh, Pastor Jesus, uh, that was a great sermon you had out there. Could you explain it to us? We didn't understand what it meant. Why? Because they were listening with their brains and they were trying to figure out what he said, but it was on a spiritual level. So now he's going to explain. He said unto them, uh, uh, and he said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, same thing that we read in Matthew, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? The sower sows the word. Now, we have three components in this parable. And we're going to walk through this as he explains this. The sower, so you have a sower, sows, so you have a seed, and the seed is the word. <clears throat> and then the other thing that we see on it is that there's ground. Okay, because he's using an agriculture metaphor. All right? But now, now there's two bases 
on which this is, this is typically taught. A focal point of the word, sowing seed, or a focal point of the ground, because the ground had the, the, the potential to stop the seed or produce the seed. Now, both of them are important. In fact, all three are. But, there's, but when we start looking at this parable and the way that I've heard it taught the majority of the time, because it makes sense to our natural mind, is that if I sowed something to Tammy, you know, a lot of people will use these verses in the offering, you know, sow your seed. Okay, but now, well, let me let me take it away from sowing to Tammy. Let's let's put it in offering time. Because I've heard a lot of churches and ministries say things like we are good ground. Sow your seed and it will produce a 30, 60, 100 fold. If that's true. What if they're bad ground? Because, you know, if they're bad ground, they will say they're good ground. Because they're crooks, probably. Okay, nobody's going to, no preacher's ever going to get up as a ministry that's, you know, is going to say, I know we're bad ground because we're stealing all your money. But if you will sow it, you'll get a 30, 60, 100 fold return. Nobody's going to do that. So how, you as the sower, how do you know if, let's just take us, because you know we do a lot of missions work. And I've had Africans in here. Uh, they have the African accent. I have Russians in here. They have the Russian accent. Uh, I had people in here from Welsh who had that accent. How do you know these aren't just props that I paid to come in here to, to con money out of you? <laughs> so I, I need somebody, you know, PowerPoint presentation that can put all your pictures and slides in it. And uh, you got a good accent. I'll give you X amount of money if you come in and do it so I can raise a big offering. How, how do you know that's not happening? I mean, it's not. Don't, don't let me go too far on this. But, but seriously, how do you know? You, you, don't, you know what we're doing because we tell you what we're doing, but how do you know we're not lying? How do you know the, the big guy on TV that has all the crowds and raises the million dollars, how do you know he's really doing what he says he's doing. In fact, I can tell you of a person that was really big on TV, had a really massive facility in, in Texas, and uh, he's no longer on TV. The building no longer stands, but they would go down in Texas. I can't remember what town, probably Dallas, but I don't remember what town there was. He was in a metropolitan city, one of them, in Texas, and they would go down like on Skid Row, and they'd get all you know, cameras and stuff out there, news out there. They'd go down and they'd be handing out food and blankets and anything like that to the people that are living on the streets. And they'd get down, you know, and they'd, they'd say some good words and then all the news people would leave and they'd go back and pick it all back up so they could use it for the next one. True story. Hey, you know, people would give, they were on TV, you know, this, this is 25, 30 years ago. They are on TV raising all this money to do. How do you know? Now, so if, if you're... It, we're talking about the, the sower. If you're the sower and this sowing doesn't just mean money, uh, because if we go over to Luke chapter six, verse 36, it's, it says if uh, somebody asks you for your, their cloak, give them your coat also. And if they ask you to walk a mile, walk an extra mile with them and uh, give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give into your bosom. And nowhere in there does it talk about money, but I'm using money as my example. Okay. So if you sow into 
The sower sows the word. And some produce 30, some produce 60, some produce 100. But what you're sowing into is bad ground. Doesn't the bad ground have control over your sowing? Because he says, some choke it up. Some of the birds come and take it. So, so now, if God's system and everything we read about in God's system is everything is a function of my heart. So if I sow out of a good heart, but I'm sowing to you and your bad ground, and the Bible says that the bad ground can choke the, the harvest out, now, even though I've sown, I can't reap a harvest because what I sowed into doesn't function. So now I'm dependent upon only good ground. Now, does the Bible say in sowing, not just money, but anything we do, only do it so toward a person that's right with me and is doing good? No, he says help all people, right? So I don't, I don't buy, we're going to walk through this now, I don't buy that interpretation of it, although it is preached a lot, I will tell you that. Now, he says, the sower soweth the word. So who is the sower? No, it's me. He's talking about us. He's talking, he's talking about the, how, how the kingdom of heaven works. And, and so everything that's in this is how this spiritual side works. And he's telling you how you can function in it. Because he said to some of you, it's given and, and you're going to get it and you're going to understand it. But some of you, you're not going to get it. That's why I'm talking in parables. Are you following me? Okay. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, the way most people teach us, which uh, I'm teaching both sides of it because you can disagree with me if you want. But if I sow the word, which could be, you know, I bought her lunch because she was starving or, or I helped her with something else or, you know, it gave her an encouraging word. What, I sowed the word, okay, whether it's a word of encouragement, uh, whether it's a, a seed of an offering or, you know, of whatever. And let me go back to my verse here. And by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word. So she's a very carnal thinker and... As soon as I sow into her, the devil comes and steals that word. Now, the devil's been able to sow my harvest because of her. Do you follow me? How does that work within the kingdom of God? Because God gave me the ability to walk in his word, the power and the harvest of his word, absent of what somebody else does. I'm not dependent upon anybody but God. What if... I am the sower. You know, the word's the word. That's the seed. What if I am both the sower and the, and the ground? That, that, that she has a need. Uh, let's just think of a, a need here. Um, she has no place to stay tonight because her husband kicked her out. Okay. So then I see that she has no place because he's not going to let her back in until tomorrow. So I go down to the motor. I say, here, I'll, I'll put a roof over your head and, and I, uh, um, you know, put you up for the night. And then I go down there to the hotels. How many know hotels are kind of expensive now? 
So I was thinking 85 bucks or something like that. And I get down to the hotel and they want 175. Okay. So I, yeah, cause she kept pressing me to put her in the Marriott. And, um, actually that would be more like 395. Um, so then I'm kind of irritated now, right? And so I'm, I'm paying a lot more money than I thought. We go down there. I pay that and I walk away. Let's, let's read the ground again. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. So I knew that the word was in my heart that I, I'm seeing a person here in need and I'm going to help them in that need. But now something happened and a word comes in that steals the word the seed out of my heart, and I walk back to my car at the Marriott, and I'm thinking, she's probably not even going to appreciate that. Man, that thing cost me $200. I was only willing to, to, to do 85 Now my heart has gone astray from the seed that I sown. Because anytime the word is sown, the enemy will come in and try to steal the word. But I'm the one that gets the opportunity to function on the word or not function on the word. I don't, I don't see how it works because you look at like offerings and there's great promises in the offerings of multiplying, but you see some people sow offerings and they don't get, doesn't seem like they really get a harvest off of it. Another person, it seems like every time they give, they get a big harvest off of it. Sowing into the same thing. Well, is it the seed? Is it the ground being external from me? Or is it me? The sower sowed, but I'm talking about the ground now. Because the ground is the heart. But, but we've turned it into an, their heart, their ministry. Their heart's going to govern it. But if that's true, then how am I supposed to walk in the promises of God when everything I do is supposed to be focused on giving and helping other people and the other people are all goofed up and they don't want to walk in the word like I want to walk in the word. Now, if I'm dependent upon them, isn't where am I going to get my, my harvest from? But if I keep my heart right in my sowing of the word of God, what can touch it? Nothing. Now, that to me sounds more like God and more like the system he set up. If you do what I say... If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Well, willing obviously is going to come out of my heart. Obedience is going to come out of my heart. So that whole functionality is based on what I do. It has nothing about what you do. Unless you try to discourage me from being obedient. But if I stay in my obedience, I shall eat the good of the, the land. So let's go down to the next one. Verse uh, 16, and these are they likewise, which also are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Now, can you get in a service, hear the word of God, get excited about the word of God, and you just jump up, man, I want all in, I want to do something on this, but they have no root in themselves. We probably have all done this once or twice. And so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution has arrived for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now, is it 
If I'm subject, again, I'm sowing, I'm sowing to her. She's the ground. I'm the sower. And if I'm subject to her heart producing my harvest, well, if she's uh, uh, stony and she has no root in herself and she gets offended, she just stole my harvest. I have no control over it. But what if I'm the sower, but I'm also the ground? Doesn't mean I'm sowing to myself. It means I'm a sower and my heart is going to control that seed. Does that make more sense? To me, it aligns more with the word of God than, than how we've looked at this. Now, I think a lot of people have tapped into this because they keep their heart right and they focused on the seed. But what is the seed? Okay, when it comes to seed... And the word of God, now the word is the seed. How does scripture define, there's another word that goes with seed. What's the other word that goes with the seed that's talking about the word? Incorruptible. Oh, thank you. Incorruptible. <laughs> now, if this is an incorruptible seed, can it not produce? So I should be able to walk in a constant flow of harvest if, based on the two grounds right now, if something doesn't come in and steal the word and maybe you think it's not working, if I have root within myself, spiritual maturity, I don't get offended and I just stay consistent in my giving, I should be able to control the outcome of my harvest. Does this make sense? See, a lot of times we just, we just look at what we're given. Well, I, I better give a bigger offering. But where's your heart at in this thing? Now, how much did the Israelites, when they left Egypt, and then they didn't go into the promised land, and they wandered around the, the desert for 40 years, how much did they receive? Basically, their day's provision. They were provided for Okay, what was their major sin? Complaining. It's probably the, one of the most consistent things they had is they just complained about everything. Okay, well, if they received nothing, now we can take the verse, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. That is a provisional statement. But do we want to live at provisional? getting by, or do we want to walk in the abundance of what God has? So now my, my heart, in the way I teach this, now my heart becomes critical tied to my seed. I'm going to sow. And remember, sowing is not just an offering. That's just one form of sowing. How I walk in love with people. How I, um, uh, um, how I do anything toward other people. Am I, am I a taker or am I a giver? Do I live to help other people achieve their goals, accomplish what they need, get out of their mess that they're in? Uh, or am I looking out for me, living based on what I get, what I think, how I want it to be? And, you know, I'm that person with control issues, you know, and I just got to have my hand on everything. It's got to go my way the way I think and, and my opinion and all that kind of stuff. A self-focused life. Let me go back to the Bible here. <laughs> Verse 18. And these are they which are, are sown among thorns, 
such as hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter in and choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So what if it's me? I sowed the word, but man, this life is hard. I'm just focused on what I'm going through, and I'm focused on how, you know, the price of gas, the, the rate of inflation, what I have, what I don't have. Uh, uh, man, I want, I want to get into that get-rich-quick scheme, and, and uh, I'm going to go down and buy me a bunch of lottery tickets. God, let me buy this lottery ticket. I'll, I'll advance your kingdom if you'll do it. If you'll, you know, give me the riches of it. Or the lust, I'm just driven by other things. What, see, I sowed the word. But now the ground of my heart is messing the word, my, my seed up. How much seed have we sown in helping others, in giving, in expanding the kingdom of God with missions? Like what, what Sergei talked about, what a great analogy of how uh, God was trying to use him nine times before he really surrendered and got in church and somebody else paid for it. Somebody gave an offering. Somebody brought their tithes to the house so that there was meat in the house so they can do this. And they don't even know who he is. And now, they, now in California, not in Russia where the ministry was, in California somebody's testifying of what somebody in Finland did. And the people in Finland don't even know, but somebody was willing to give. Now the interesting question is, the, the ministry that did that was able to function in that, but did the person that gave receive a reward off of it? Or, and this is where he goes back to the, the, the scripture that he says, I always talk about give cheerfully. Were they cheerful in their giving? Did they have root within themselves to stand against? Um, uh, the, 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 maybe they're a new Christian. Uh, did they stand against the enemy coming in to try to steal the word? And then did they continue to walk in what, what they were given to walk in? These, these things. He says, and then these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word. Receive the word and bringeth forth some 30, some 60, and some 100 full. Verse 21 in my Bible has a different heading, making it look like the, um, the subject has changed. But remember when Mark wrote this, he just wrote a letter. And Jesus said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. Now, if you tie this into what we were talking about on the parable of seed time and harvest, is that my life, the, the, you know, we are not to hide the light, the candlestick that, that God has placed within us. In our sowing, we should be reaping to a realm that people can see it in our lifestyle. Now, understand 30, 60, 100 fold. Um, if you have a, let me do some simple math. If you have $100, we're going to do, do offerings on this so that we can put math with it so we can understand it. If you sowed $100 and you made a 30% return, how much would come back? $130. If you sowed $100 and you had a 30-fold return back, what would you receive back? It would be 3000 
There's a huge difference between 130 and 3,000. So, so if you look at it, now remember, I'm not talking about offerings. That's just one part of it. It's on any sowing. If I'm receiving 30, 60, 100-fold return, and we saw in the mathematical equation the difference between 36 and 30-fold, what should be flowing into my life for me to live when, when God said through Peter that he's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness? Or through Paul that we would have all sufficiency in all things that we may abound to every good work. So abounding to every good work is not, I'm trying to figure out how to budget it in, but I've got enough to live and I've got enough excess that I can abound into it. Meaning that when I give out of the abundance in whatever I'm doing, time is another great, you know, people think they don't have time. But when I give of my time, God can give me back 30, 60, 100 full of my time. How does he do that? Got no idea. These are the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But he's showing how we can work in it. So as I see this, is that we've looked at it because it makes sense to our natural mind. I sow a seed. Now, because I sowed a seed, I'm going to reap a harvest. But the definition of that seed was sometimes birds come and eat it. Sometimes shallowness of heart eats it. Sometimes cares of the world eats it. And sometimes... Uh, uh, you know, it produces back. But if he's talking about the heart of man, it has to be my heart or you would control what I could live in. You know, when I say you, I don't just mean you personally, I just mean anybody that's outside of me because all sowing is towards somebody else. Does it make sense? Now, he said, he being Jesus, capital H, he said, that if you don't, if you and I don't understand this parable, we're not going to understand any parable because everything in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, operates based on seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, day, night, summer, cold, uh, shall not cease. So now I hear the word. What do I do with the word? I'm supposed to sow it. So we can ask ourselves, how many people did we talk to about the Lord this week? You know, non-believers, to try to get them to become believers. Did I see somebody in, in need that I didn't stop and help? Now, I've told the story several times about me. I'm driving down the street, going down Whitendale, going toward Mooney Boulevard, uh, traveling west on Whitendale. And uh, there's this uh, person... Um, Pulled over on the side. Uh, no, they were pushing their car, like one person. I think they are pushing the car over on the side, and it was raining a little bit. And I saw it, and I thought, oh, they need help. Then I, I counteracted that thought with, oh, it's raining. <laughs> I kept driving. I got up to uh, Mooney Boulevard, made a left-hand turn, went south on Mooney, and I, I mean, God's just convicting me. To him that knoweth, to do good and does not do it, it is sin. Now, what did I sow based on Galatians? I sowed to, to the flesh. Now, what does the Bible say? It happens if you sow to the flesh. You shall reap corruption. And uh, so, I mean, I, I was convicted. I, 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 forgive me, Lord, did I? And I flipped to you, came back around, but by the time I got back there, there were several people helping him and 
probably knew more than I did and could do more than I did. So, but, but God really dealt with me because I, at that moment, sowed. And I violated a law to God. Now, based on the word of God, if I were to stop, based on the uh, promptings of my heart that they need help, what can I expect? A 30, 60, 100 fold return. What does that mean? Well, number one, if I ever broke down on the side of the road, somebody's going to stop and help me. I'm not going to be in that mess. Maybe it would prevent me from getting in that mess. Because I can live my life based on what I sow. My heart is controlling it. What if I would have stopped, helped the person with whatever they needed help with, assuming I could have helped, and because I'm not a mechanic or anything like that, assuming I could help, I pulled over, I helped them, I'm out there for 15 minutes, I get back in my car, I'm soaking wet, and I drive off, it's like, I'm soaking wet, I need to go get some new clothes. I can't believe I did that. See, wasn't that a condition of my ground? Where, where the enemy comes and tries to steal the word of God, which it would only take the word of God to get me over to help somebody with their car. Um, and, uh, um, but my heart controlled the outcome. Are you following me? So every time we have an opportunity to sow, number one, Jesus said, this has to do with the mysteries of the kingdoms of heaven and if you don't understand, if I don't understand this sowing and reaping element, I will not understand anything else that he said. That's a powerful statement. And I should look at this, not just, I, I know people use it for offerings. We've used it for offerings here too. And that's one component of it. But God has set this system up that we live based on our sowing. And that's not just offerings. That's only one part of it. We live on how we treat other people and what we sell. How many times has somebody asked you for help to do something and it just was not working with you? Do we see a heart function in that? Come on, we've all been there, right? Y'all looking at me like you're spiritual and that's never happened to you before. <laughs> Have you ever noticed when somebody has a problem, it's always at the worst time? We were talking about, because I had changed batteries and bumps, uh, fire alarms up there. You ever notice how fire alarms go off at 2 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> I mean, they always go off at the worst time. It's like, I'm sleeping. Couldn't you have waited another four hours or, or something like that? We could have dealt with this when the sun was up. Has anybody been guilty of throwing a fire smoke? <laughs> Uh, I've yanked them off a few times, grab something, reach up there, and screw it, take it out, throw it in the garage, and it's like, I'll deal with you tomorrow. See, th see these, things, these things of life never happen at a convenient time. But how I sow is going to determine how I reap. How I reap affects every arena of my life. My peace level, my functionality level, my everything level, because it's a mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Let's stand. Does this make sense? Really? There, there's, I, I'm really in this, I, I've mentioned a lot, we should not have to toil in life to make life work. Now, there's hardness of life. There's problems of life. 
there's things we have to work through. I get all that. But it should never be a toil. We should never be weighed down by the weight of this world because we have been redeemed from the weight of this world. We read it uh, on Sunday in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, that we ha- he's overcome the world, therefore we've overcome the world. This is our, this is our inheritance. But we, if, we, if we function with the mindset of the heart, in fact, in Proverbs 4, 23, says this, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it, out of your heart, flows the issues of the forces of life. If, if, um, if out of my heart flows the forces of my life, then how can your heart steal my harvest? Go ahead. Amen. So I had to get rid of that pride. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and there's an element of, you know, uh, goes back to the story in the Bible, the widow uh, that came in and uh, all these people, big bucks, were putting money in the offering and she gave two mites. Mm -hmm. And um, Jesus said she's given more than them all because Jesus is not looking at dollar bills. He's looking at the heart. And, uh, and I've told the story before about the guy. His story was less than a quarter. It was a paperclip. And uh, he wanted to put more in. Uh, he put the paper. It's all he had. He went through his pockets. He had one paperclip in there. And he put the paperclip. Well, maybe they'll use it in the office. and Because uh, he sewed it with the right heart. And then somebody uh, came and said, I just really felt to give this to you. Uh, it was at the end of the service. He took it. He said, thank you, Lord. I told you I'd give it to you. He ran down and found an usher and put it in the offering. I mean, God works in crazy ways. But but the functionality is and, and the controlling factor of what he can do uh, is what will our hearts allow him to do? And you know, we could be very in our mind and say, God, I'm willing to do anything and we could 100% mean it, but he knows exactly what's in our heart. It's the heart issues that we control uh, or that control us, I guess would be better said. And so uh, I'm going to go through on the next uh, two or three weeks. Well, it's probably going to be more than that because there's more parables. I want to break down all the parables and what Jesus was teaching in the parables. But as he said, if you don't understand this one, you won't understand any of them. Because the basis of everything that God does is seed time and harvest. And uh, now I know it's been perverted. And every time you say that word, come on, when I say seed time and harvest, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Money. Okay, but that in seed time and harvest... It will affect your money. It will totally change your money. But it's not talking about money. It's what you're sowing in your life. Uh, your willingness to help. Your willingness to step out. Like uh, Andrew was talking about, you're stepping out of, uh, okay, I'm going to do this because I was asked. That was an act of sowing. Because his heart was fight, fighting, or his brain was fighting him on it. Okay, but now, if, uh, if he goes home, I'll talk to him right now. If he goes home, Oh, man, I, I probably did stupid. I mean, I, I don't know if I say and and allows the thoughts of the enemy. Now his heart is making an adjustment. And you don't do that. You've got to have faith that God, I, I did what I felt you led me to do. And I'm just going to trust in you. You're going to do with it what, what you need to do. 
our heart controls our life. And, uh, and we have to learn how to live out of our hearts and not out of our brains. And this, the whole focus of our life should be a life of giving. Now, again, what went through your mind when I said a life of giving? Money. But it's not always money. We've got to understand the Bible. Now, God will have us so money. Give this person something. You know, go do this with this person. Give money. Okay, that's a money issue. But go help this person. Go spend time with this person. Go uh, pray for this person. Go do whatever. Well, I don't have time today. I'll go do it tomorrow. No, I told you to go do it today. Where's God's priority in our life? These are all heart issues on how we sow. Amen? Yes. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, 